0: for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayerful attention to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. To Corinthians 4 and 7. The Apostle Paul is very desirous when he's writing to the Corinthians to draw attention away from man and unto God. They were a people that had been going after others, some after Apollos, uh, some after Peter, Cephas, some after Paul, some after Christ, And all the time there is the danger that instead of the one that is being preached and set forth is gone after, the preacher is the one that has the attention. And this is why he is, not just in the word of our text, but through the rest of the portion uh, that we read as well, he's making these references to draw our attention from the vessel, from the messenger, to actually the message, the treasure of it, the value of it, so that that is seen, that is valued, and that it's not detracted from, from the messenger. And so in this way, the first application of this word, he is speaking of those in the ministry, He is speaking of the treasure that they are preaching, the gospel, the preaching of our Lord Jesus Christ, and then saying that we have this treasure in an earthen vessel. We are but men and frail men, men of the earth, men in whom there is no beauty in themselves at all, nothing really to attract, and yet it is a treasure. And so on one hand he is directing them from making too much of the preacher. On the other hand, if they look on the preacher, which again the Corinthians were likely to do and say his speech is contemptible, he's not like these other ministers that are more eloquent and they preach more uh, forcefully, uh, then he says, well, yes, but my vessel is like an earthen vessel. You are not to." measure the blessedness uh, the value of the message by the messenger and so the emphasis is on the treasure and really a very uh, simple illustration isn't it that we might have a container uh, an earthen container a pot a fired pot and and outwardly, it's it's not even glazed, It's, it's not picturesque or anything like that, but in it we might put something of great, great value, and the contrast between what is holding it and what is in it is absolutely immense, and you wouldn't detract from it. If you put gold in this vessel, if you put diamonds, if you put things of great value in it, Someone that really knew the value of what was in it wouldn't think any less of it because of seeing what it was in. And they certainly wouldn't go after the pot and say, oh, what a wonderful pot this is, When they, if they really realised what was inside of it. Some of the most powerful teachings in the Word are centred around very simple illustrations. And really this is one of them with an earthen vessel the apostle speaks in another place of being sanctified and meat for the master's use well if we wanted a vessel say to put something in we might think oh I know uh, 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 maybe it is you want to carry water in it and you think I've got such a thing it's out in the garden I go and get it and you get it and you think oh I forgot I left it there it's all dirty inside you think that may be a good vessel it may hold water it may be the right volume but it's not sanctified it's not set apart it's all unclean and certainly unfit for bringing beautiful drinking water it needs to be dealt with first washed, clean, urged out and then it can be used and so this illustration is used again for those in the ministry those that are bearing the Word of God, sanctified and meet already for the Master's use. A bearer of tidings, a vessel, a messenger, one that is conveying from one place to another something, or in this case, conveying the Word of the Lord to the people of the Lord. And it is to come unsullied by the vessel, not marred by it or marred by things that have been in it before, but to be pure from, from the Lord. But as much as this may apply to those in the ministry, and it's one of the words that was uh, a, a blessing to me when I was exercised on the ministry. I can remember the spot over in Australia. I used to uh, go on the Saturday and went back to my hometown, which we were brought up ten miles from where I was then living, and sit and, and, and watch the, the boats go out on, on the seashore and and read and this time I was reading Edward Carson in Green Pastures and he was he mentioned this, this this verse and it was a great help to me because uh, exercise on the ministry very mindful very but an earthen vessel and to find that the word of God it allowed for that it it spoke of that it it fitted with how I felt I was and it was an encouragement God does not send angels when he uh, sent to uh, Cornelius was to send for Peter God did not choose that the angel was to bring the message and preach the message it had to be Peter But, but Peter didn't he deny his lord and master three times wasn't he rebuked by the Lord? Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savest not the things of God, but the things that be of men. Is, is, isn't this this Peter? Yes, and, and he is the one that personally knows the gospel. He is partakers of him, and so then he can preach it. And incidentally, he was the one that preached at the Pentecost, which was when the Spirit was given to the Jews. And so, then he was the one chosen to when the Spirit, the Spirit was given to the Gentiles ten years later. And the Jews couldn't say, "You Gentiles are inferior to us." The Apostle Paul preached to you when the Holy Spirit was given, but to us, we had the Apostle Peter. The Lord saw fit; He take away that. Uh, deflection, as it were, by using one man to be used in both cases. And the other side of that is that Peter could recognise the effect of the Holy Spirit, not by what he had been told happened at Pentecost, but what he saw happen under his own ministry, and ten years later he saw the same thing happen, and he knew that this was the Holy Spirit's The Lord's dear people, the Lord's servants, must be partakers of that which they uh, preach and set forth. And this is bound up with this word as well. So I want to not just confine my thoughts uh, thoughts this uh, evening to a minister, but also to the people of God, because... If the minister is to have the treasure of the gospel in him, then it is the desire that his hearers also have that same treasure imparted to them. And so we don't want to just look at it in one way. So first I want to look at this treasure. But we have this treasure. So the treasure first. And then secondly, where it is placed. And just under two heads in in, in that point that we have this treasure is actually uh, by the Apostle, by the people of God, having that treasure and then placed in what is described as an earthen vessel. And then we have in this text the reason why it is so. God doesn't always give reasons why he does things, but sometimes he does and he tells the reason here that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And that is the reason. So that is our third point. But firstly, the treasure. Our Lord often referred to the kingdom of God as a treasure when the uh, ruler came to him and what good things shall I do to inherit eternal life and He said before him the commandments and he said all these I have have kept from my youth up and he said well go sell all that thou hast give to the poor and come follow me and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And he says before him a treasure for that rich man he valued his earthly riches more than the treasure that the Lord was setting forth before him, more even than eternal treasures. And that event is a warning to us. Here are those who have gone before us that could hold in their hand and have their earthly treasures and things on one hand and have the things of the kingdom on the other and they value the things of earth more than that which is of heaven and of their souls. Then we have the Lord speaking the parable where one found the treasure that was hid in the field and that he went then and sold all that he had so that he could buy that field so that field would be his and he would have that treasure. And again it is setting forth that one that has identified that treasure knew the value of it knew it was worth more than everything else that he had and he rather part with everything so that he could have that treasure. And the Lord is using these examples of the uh, treasure and the treasure that is in the Gospel and that is in Heaven. Well, It is very evident from the context here that it is the Gospel, the good news of salvation, which is meant as the treasure. And implication as well, going to our last point, when he's speaking of the excellency of the power, he is speaking of this treasure actually being an active treasure, a treasure that is being used. The power of God is conveyed through that treasure. And of course it is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have in verse four, in who, in, well verse three, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. And again we have the same idea, we preach not ourselves, we're not setting forth this earthen vessel, but we are setting forth Jesus Christ the Lord, and ourselves your servants, or the way of conveying this blessing to you for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He refers back to the creation and we should always notice that in the beginning of the word it begins with the creation and it begins with God speaking. God coming to where there is darkness, no form, without void, darkness over the face of the deep. What a picture of a heart that is benighted by nature. But upon that comes the Spirit and upon that comes the Word of God. And right through the creation we have the Word spoken. God spake and it was done and it was formed. And that is set before us right at the beginning of the Word of God. And right through the Word of God, every blessing, every promise, every revelation of God, every type, every shadow has come from the Word of the Lord. The Lord speaking through his prophets and giving the Word. The Lord gave the Word, it is in the Gospel day, great was the company then that published it. Remember, of course, that uh, with Philip and the eunuch, Philip is publishing the word, he's preaching from the Old Testament, the same as our Lord did to the two on the way to Emmaus. And you have that example of that treasure being brought forth. I wonder how much we really value the word of God. And of course, in the Dark Ages, when the word was not available, not available in the tongues of the nation. Many nations now do not have it, and or shut up in Latin and uh, held from the people. And they did not know the gospel. They did not know the good news of salvation as declared and set forth in the word of God. But our Lord said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. And the command to his servants is to preach the word. And that man shall not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And again referring to the, the last point concerning power, the apostles, the apostles were told to tarry at Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. No use preaching, no use setting forth the word without that power. But they were to go forth and that treasure of the word was to be with them. And so it is to value the word. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And it is through the word that the gospel is made known. Going back to the unit, he is reading Isaiah and he cannot understand it. Whom speaketh a prophet this of himself or another man? He was not going to profit him. He was not going to be brought to faith. He was not going to be brought to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ unless he understood those words. And the Spirit sent Philip then to preach the gospel to him. He began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And that treasure then is the Gospel in the Word of God. All the Scriptures, that's what Christ spoke to them on the way to Emmaus, in all the Scriptures, the things concerning Himself. And I've often felt this for these Gospel days, the days from Christ, the days from the Holy Spirit to the end of the world and in preaching of the Word. What a Great repository of matter, of treasure to preach from in all the scriptures. In those 4,000 years from the beginning of the world to Christ, in which is the Old Testament, and there is really all the matter for the people of God to preach. And remember the Apostle Paul and those who were preaching with him were preaching from the Old Testament the Bereans more noble than they in Thessalonica searched the scriptures daily whether these things were so and he's pointing that what Paul was preaching was from the scriptures the treasure he was bringing out was from the scriptures that's where the treasure is now it comes to mind one of the Lord's dear servants Mr. Cornford and he is a minister, and, and I always picture his method of, of preaching. He, he doesn't have points or organise in that way. He gives out his text, and you might think ten minutes later he, he's, he's said all he, he had on that text. But then he starts at the beginning again, he goes through it again. And I, I picture a piece of ground, a metre square, and he's got a rake, and that ground represents his text. And he rakes over that ground and ten minutes later he's raked over it and then he gets the rake and he rakes over the other side of it. But each time he goes over that text, you watch for a gem. You watch for some thought, something from the word that's precious, that remains. And if you're those that look for an ordered sermon, you're going to be disappointed, you won't find anything. But when you can picture in your head, like I picture and I listen to him, then you do get something, because you're looking for that which the Lord will give you, and it's coming from the Word. It's what is brought up from the Word, raked up from the Word. And that is what we want, the Lord to take of the things of God, reveal to us the treasures of the Word, under thy shoes shall be iron and brass. The, one of the, 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 the blessings of Ashes blessing. And it is the deep that coucheth beneath. We can be walking over a piece of ground and not realise that underneath it there is treasure. Underneath it there's gold or something like that. You go to the beach and you see someone with a metal detector going around, and what are they doing? They're looking for something hidden, something underneath. And it is the uh, minister's privilege to have this gospel, this word, and to bring up from it the truths and from it those things that are, are, are precious. Breaking, uh, I'm not saying, so, I come up to this uh, uh, all the time, but when I first started my ministry at Cranbrook, dear age saint now in glory she said to me I like your ministry because you break the word up into small pieces so I can digest it and I hadn't thought of that and I thought well that's a good aim for a minister he's able to break the word up into small pieces so the people can digest it they don't have to do the work he does the work and when we think when the Lord did the miracle of the loaves and the fishes what did he do? He broke the bread. And the disciples, they distributed it to the people. And what a wonderful thing. If the Lord broke the bread, the Lord gave the text, he gave the word. Great was the company of them that published it. And we published just a little bit, just this text and this part of this gospel. But it is broken up and is given to the people. What was the commission for Peter? Feed my sheep and feed my lambs and what have they been fed with? they're fed with the good news of the gospel and that's, that's what they're feeding they're not taken to Mount Sinai the contrast given in Hebrews 12 the mountain that might be touched, that might not be touched, that's smote, that even Moses said I do fear and quake but unto Mount Zion they're coming unto that good news of salvation, a finished work in our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. What the Lord has accomplished and when at Calvary all that he did that the scriptures might be fulfilled even in the garden when they had the sword he said put up the sword within its sheath uh, thinkest thou not that I may pray my Father and you presently give me twelve legion of angels but how then? should the Scriptures be fulfilled. And rather than the Scriptures not be fulfilled, he would go through all that sufferings, all his death, be subject under the uh, wrath of God and under the will of the people. So it appears like the people, well, they did, they by wicked hands crucified and took him. And there the... Determinant foreknowledge and counsel of God was brought about. But the Lord would do that so that the Scriptures be fulfilled in every part. So this treasure, may we really view it as the treasure of the Word of God. All the promises of God are yea and amen in Christ. And right through from the first promise, the seed of the woman that should bruise the serpent's head that has been prized by the church of God of your promise. If the Lord has given you a promise from the word you will prize that, you will value it, you will hold on to it, you will plead that and it will be precious to you. But those promises are all in the Lord Jesus Christ. If the Lord wasn't promised right in the beginning if he was never to come the world wouldn't have continued. It couldn't continue at all. The very expectation of Christ, the very promise of Christ, was a reason why the world could continue at all. The world things we could do without these religious people prompting our consciences and it'd be better they weren't on the face of the earth. Once the Lord's people are all called by grace, the world will end. The world is only here for the Lord's people, for his chosen. And until the last one is born into the world and born again, this world cannot finish. It must continue. But the treasure of the world, word of God is for the people of God. It is stored up with precious promises, with precious truths. I've given them thy word. The world hath hated them. The truth of God, we think of Ephesians, the truth is in Jesus. And we in one of the young people a strength in truth. What is truth? It is reality as perceived by God. An absolute truth. Not perceived by man, not perceived by any but God himself. He knows the truth and the truth is revealed to his people, revealed in the gospel. And that is why we have, in verse 2, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth. There is the treasure, the truth of God. The truth is in Jesus, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sign of God. The treasure comprises all what is bound up in the Lord Jesus Christ. The payment price, the redemption of his people, a righteousness that is to be theirs, imputed to all that believe. Eternal life, I give unto them eternal life, they shall never perish. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Those things that are in the Gospel for the people of God, they are everything that they need. Man shall not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. May we always view or rightly view the treasures of the Word of God. Sometimes I... There's a saying that we, we, we don't value something until we lose it, until it's gone. And I fear today, you know, I look on our shelves at home, we might see ten Bibles lined up. And we've got them electronically, we have them in the house of God, we we have them every so many coffees, and, and you think... There were days that they used to pay, a, a farmer would pay a whole cartload of hay for one leaf of the Bible. And do we just take it for granted? So sometimes you need to stop and think, all right, what if, what if we did not have the Word? All our Bibles had to be taken away, electronically, written ones, printed ones, didn't have it at all. How would we feel then? Some of us might be able to memorize quite large parts of it. In the Chinese church, when they were threatened with their Bibles taken away, when they met together, they never met with Bibles. One was delegated, you remember that chapter, and you remember that chapter, and they got up and they recited the word. So if they they got raided, there was no Bibles there, no Bibles to take, because the word was in there. The word was found in there. Thy words were found, and I did eat them. They were to the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Wherewithal shall a young man take cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. And everything is centred around the word. You take away that word. You take it out of the hearts and out of the minds. And what is left? be that we have a renewed sense of the treasure of the word of God and of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. is no longer hidden in types and shadows. It is no longer the expectant that Christ will come. He has come and he has fulfilled the law and made it honourable. So if anything from this evening, it may be that the word, the gospel, is to us a treasure a precious treasure, and we have here, it is hidden from many, but if it has been revealed to us, it may be renewed to us again how precious it was. And maybe you can remember too, those times that it was made precious, where the Holy Spirit shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. He shall bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. And this is the gospel, and this is the practical working of that gospel. So I want to move from that and think of where it is placed. Our text begins with, but we have this treasure. Have we stopped it there and and didn't put in first the in earthen vessels? What a wonder that that is. We have this treasure. You might say, well, yeah, we have it in the Bible, we have it in the preaching. But let's think about it personally. Do we personally have that treasure? Is it in our hearts? Are we possessors of We mentioned before about men, Peter preaching not the angel the angel however much would understand or know of the gospel could never have it as receiving it as one interested in it one that needed to be saved from it one that was bound up in it one that was a sinner saved by grace but every minister is Is one that is preaching those things which he relies on to stand before God. He relies on to stand faultless before the throne. He relies on to enter those heavenly mansions, that his sins are put away, blotted out, pardoned, forgiven. And he sets forth those things as a personal recipient. So, where is this treasure found? He says, but we have this treasure. And may we be able to answer this evening. I have this treasure. You have this treasure. May you ask, as the Lord formed his word in your heart, do you have this treasure? Do you value it? But do you have it as one that Has first received it. The very way it's set forth in the Word of God, man by nature does not value it. Man by grace does value it. Man by nature, Christ is as a root out of dry ground; no form nor comeliness that should desire him. But one that is called by grace as what the unit, then he sees a beauty and a desire for him how is it with us it cannot be that we come forth from the womb and this is a treasure always been a treasure, always been precious but for the Lord's people there will be a time when it first began to be precious first began to be the one thing needful and they could not be without it they wanted, they needed the word remember the Lord said except ye eat the flesh and drink the blood of the son of man ye have no life in you and the children of Israel they needed that manner in the wilderness all the journey through and yet even then most solemnly because it was so constant even when they sinned he took not the manner from their mouths they murmured and they despised it and we can do the same with the word and with the gospel because it is so constant Because we always have it, because we always have it priests, and take it for granted and it's not renewed as precious to us. And then we have the where is it placed in an earthen vessel. And the way I feel this is really a comfort to God's people. He knows our frame. he remembereth that we are but dust. In Paul's first epistle, he draws in chapter 15 when he's speaking of the resurrection the beautiful contrast between uh, the terrestrial body, the celestial body, this corruption must put on incorruption uh, this mortal must put on immortality and all the time there's this this contrast, this wonderful change that is to happen at the resurrection but when Paul comes to this second epistle He's saying, so now speaking to you that are in this mortal, in this corruption, in this earthen vessel, this vessel that one day is going to be laid in the grave and this treasury is put in this vessel, in this vessel. He knows, he knows our frame. he knows what we are. It is for sinners. Him writer says, sinners can say and none but they, how precious is the Saviour. And it's put in that vessel. Now one of the greatest things that would mar a Christian profession or be a hindrance to the gospel is pride. But the Lord deals with that with his people and he shows them what they are. He shows them their nature. He shows them their corruptions. Turn again, son of man, see greater things than these. But to balance so that they are not cast down and to have no hope, yes, what they see humbles them but they are to know that this earthen vessel, this vessel in home, no beauty, this humble, insignificant vessel carries this rich, rich treasure and that's really encouraging it's really helpful for the people of God, it's helpful as well when we hear a preacher to look past the man and his infirmities, and his weaknesses, and hear what he has to say. Hear the word from his lips. So where it is found, is it found with us? And how do we view ourselves is another question. As much as the question, do we see the Gospel and the Word as a treasure, Are we humble enough to view ourselves as an earthen vessel, just a recipient of no inherent value in itself, but carrying great treasure? And the word is very clear in this that all of those to whom Christ is precious, they are God's people. Peter says, Unto you which believe, he is precious. He's not precious to the world. But he is precious to his dear people. So however, however low you may feel, however discouraged, however much be set by sin, however much troubled, you may know this, that what the Lord has revealed to you of the preciousness of Christ and the good news of salvation is that seal of the Spirit as to whose you are and to where you are going. It is the hope of the calling of God's dear children. One of the great hopes bound up is that they of all people not only know their sinnership and what they are by nature, but they know the preciousness of Christ and of the Gospel. You know, it's a sad thing today are many, many churches they have no need of the Word or of the Gospel. In Cranbrook, they're looking for a new vicar and they've got online or, or what they're looking for in the vicar. No preacher, no child of God, none called, one to, yes, to, to bring in the people of Cranbrook and to utilise the church for concerts and to raise money to keep the building going and everything like that. But no value on the word, no value on the gospel. Three vicars ago... We used to meet at the uh, gate of the school. He said, I don't know how they listen to you for 45 minutes. He said, they won't listen to me for 10 minutes. But he had no idea of the value of the gospel for himself. When he was ill and laid decided, said, you go to the church to hear the preaching. Oh no, I wouldn't go to work. He said, they're dragging in to do things. I said, well, where do you get food for your soul? Weren't you here for your own soul? You looked at me absolutely blank. Oh, he said, sometimes I go to another, another parish to get ideas for when I return to work for my sermons. He had no idea for the preciousness or food for his soul or desire at all. And if the Lord has given us that value of it and that it is precious to us, who has given it? The Lord has given it given us something that he has not given to others and shown us something that he has not shown to others. And may we have it renewed to us again and again how precious that word is and how precious our Lord Jesus Christ is and all the words that he speaks, how precious they are. They are treasure on earth, they are treasure in heaven, they are treasure that will never, ever pass away. Well, lastly, there is a reason that is given here as to why the Lord orders this great pressure to be put in such a mean vessel, an earthly vessel, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Because, in the first place, He is speaking of as a minister. A minister does not have power to convert a soul. He does not have power to change your heart. Was it not William Gadsby as he was walking along the street someone called out to him and said look at that drunk lying in the gutter. Is that your work Mr. Gadsby? And he said yes, it looks like my work. He said if that had been God's work he would not be lying in the gutter. Gatsby knew full well it was not his eloquence it was not his preaching it was the power of God that changed the heart renewed the will and turned the feet to Zion's sin when they preached as many as were ordained unto eternal life believed some believed the word some believed not what made the difference the sovereign power of God that is what made the difference None can come unto me except the Father who sent me draw him and I'll raise him up at the last day. The power of God. You think how jealous the Lord is of that. You go back to Judges. You go back to the Midianites in the land and Gideon raised up and Gideon gets his arm and The Lord says it's too big. You reduce it right down. It's reduced to 300 lest Israel said my own glory got me the victory and so it's reduced low and then the Lord works and that's what the Lord does in the gospel too how he speaks of the gospel as treasure, how he speaks of the power of God as the excellency of the power this is God's word the spirit's word our Lord's work, the work of a triune God, that in all things is to be praised and honoured and glorified. In our day when there seems to be a real withdrawing of the Spirit, and we don't often see and perhaps feel the power of God, we may perhaps think, well, maybe it's not the same, but it is still the same today. The Lord has said, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Bless each time. Bless the Lord for those times when you felt the power of God melt your heart, send you out, make you do something you weren't going to do, make you stop something that you were going to do that was wrong, make you love something that you once hated, make you hate something that you once loved, that it had a profound effect on you and that power of God moving the heart. Hear James saying, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Paul rejoiced with the Thessalonians that the word came unto them, not in word only, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. And may we know that, and may we be able to discern the way the Lord has sent his blessing to us. It's been a way that echoes John the Baptist. He must increase, I must decrease. and the power and the glory be unto God and God alone. May the Lord add his blessing and grant us to be found in the text, in the text as an earthen vessel, that we treasure in our vessel. Amen.